welcome back to the No Score Review Show, where we have in-depth critique and nuanced discussion of some of the latest movies, television, and video games. I am your host, Nick Green, and today is a little bit of a different uh, episode. We are going to be doing a recap slash review of the 2023 Vancouver International Film Festival. I have with me uh, Piero Cyprian and Matt Schmidt joining me. We all... Went to the uh, festival this year. This year was my very first time attending the festival. Um, so it's going to be a little bit akin to uh, the year in review episode I did at the beginning of this year. Uh, we'll just kind of give our general thoughts on the festival as a whole. And then we'll kind of dive into our uh, like our favorites, our least favorites, and then maybe a couple honorable mentions here and there. So uh, yeah, let's start with our general thoughts. Uh, Piero, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Start with your general thoughts on VIF 2023. Um, yeah, this year was a, another great successful year. I, I I think this is my fourth time attending the festival. Um, okay. With last year, me having to pass, got to see 26 movies. It was a lot. Um, wow. I thought I was only going to see like two or three this year, but I was lucky to see several more. Um, nice. 14 to be exact. But um, yeah, I, I thought the festival was great volunteers were making sure everything was organized and like mm-hmm. almost every screening that I went to was on time and I saw a lot of great stuff and got to talk to a lot of strangers and it was just it was a great atmosphere and it's probably like my probably like my favorite week in the entire year in Vancouver yeah to just be in the community or be in the city and and, and watch these movies fully yeah. embrace movies and movie culture yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how about you? How long have you been going to this festival? Uh, probably about the same. Uh, I mean, I've been committed to the festival, I'd say, for probably about four years. But before that, I went to like, I think in 2018, I just saw two films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Climax and The House That Jack Built. But then the following year was the first year that I really like buckled down and, and dove into the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh and this year, coming off of the announcement, at least, of the lineup, I was a little bit maybe underwhelmed by the the selection, just because in previous years, there's been like a lot of really um, heavy hitters that got announced. Like back in 2019, it had like, we got Parasite, The Lighthouse, uh, Marriage Story, mm-hmm. all those films. Uh, and this year, I think, was a little bit, there was a lot of... Uh, like awards winners and films in competition at uh, Cannes and, and Berlin and, and whatnot that I was hoping to see here, but didn't. But then I ended up seeing a ton of films that I probably would not have had on my radar otherwise. And I think compared to previous years, this is one of the most like consistently good festivals mm-hmm. that I've uh, gone to there was only a a very small handful of films that i didn't really enjoy and most of my films i'd say almost half are in the probably more than half actually are in the four stars to five star range uh which is very uh rare i'd say that's awesome that's great to hear yeah it was a it was a great year and uh i've definitely seen a few new favorites that i will be returning to a lot in the future very cool yeah, it. Uh, I mean, I don't have any sort of 
uh, reference for it, but I thoroughly enjoyed my first time. At I mean, it's it was a good first year. Yeah. Um, great first impression of the festival. Uh, I loved the the week of just like being fully invested and like literally just watching movies uh, all in all my spare time. Um, it was a very and you were cool still going experience. to work. I I was very much still working. So uh, my brain is a little bit mush at the end. Nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be, but like I particularly noticed it whenever I was trying to like write reviews for the movies, and I'm like, I don't know what I can say right now. It's just like nothing's coming out. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it uh, a lot. Like you, Matt, of the films I picked, I went and saw. Uh, 19 um like pretty much every single one at least had something i enjoyed about it uh but like the just like the first half of my list is like particularly excellent films uh in my opinion um and yeah i i look forward to doing it more in the future i uh had a really good experience i had a very good split as well of like going to see films uh, by myself that I was interested in and then getting to see stuff like with you two and with our friend Robin as well. Um, getting to experience it in a little bit more of a social setting was awesome. So, yeah. uh, yeah, overall a really good, good, uh, uh, impression, first impression. And, uh, yeah, I think with that, we'll kind of get into our, um, our like favorites of the year or of the festival. Um, I think this will also kind of serve as a general kind of spoiler warning as well, just so we can maybe, I mean, I know we haven't, there's some like uh, overlap in a sense of like, we have seen certain things that the other hasn't. So maybe we will be able to steer clear of uh, some potential yeah. spoilers, but I, I will stay clear of spoilers. In yeah, so okay. Well, Especially we'll because these films anyway. aren't really like, available for the public to watch cool. yet right. either so we'd basically just be spoiling a thing right. that probably nobody listening to this has seen yeah <laughs> yet well there we go even perfect we got a live live agreement or even um, heard of yes that's a good point these might yeah. not be on a lot of people's radar yeah i know my favorite won't be yeah <laughs> yeah well hopefully it will be by uh the time it makes a wider release um I, fingers crossed we'll see so yeah, uh, we'll get into our favorites. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. What was your favorite film? Of All right. Film? Well, my favorite was uh, Red Rooms by Pascal Plant. Uh, I'm a big fan of this director. He's a, I think he's like 35 years old, uh, Quebecois Canadian, right? yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, he apparently has a really long history at the Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh Back in like 2015 or so, his, one of his short films took home the top Canadian short prize, and he's had his previous two features also um, premiere at, uh, or not necessarily premiere, but uh, take place in this festival, uh, which is where I discovered him back in 2020 with Nadia Butterfly, which is a great film about uh, Olympic swimmers uh, and sort of about like the, the post-Olympic blues as he says. Uh, mm -hmm. And this film is sort of his first foray into genre cinema. Previously, it was all like pretty down to earth, grounded, 
character studies. And this, he uses that same kind of style and this deep character study, but puts it into the sort of um, crime thriller genre okay. uh, where there's a lot of, it sort of takes place centered around a, a murder trial for a supposed serial killer who uh, kills people on uh, live internet streams and people pay to be able to watch them. And he abducted a bunch of young girls and now he's on trial for this. And it sort of focuses around the phenomenon of like groupies that a lot of serial killers are able to amass somehow, like, you know, how Charles Manson had all of the young girls that would sort of worship him and same with Ted Bundy as well. Mm -hmm. This sort of dives into that and that's sort of pascal plant's whole shtick is diving into these really really specific uh like subcultures and just exploring them and it's just so fantastic on a technical level it is gorgeous cinematography the score is done by his brother dominique plant uh mm-hmm. as is the score in all of his films and man it just um it really creates like a sense of unease and dread and it's so fascinating because you really have to do your work to figure out what the motivations of the characters are they really keep you at arm's length to understand what's going on mm-hmm. and there is just there are several moments in the film that made my jaw drop to the floor wow it that's very cool. There's one scene in particular in about the middle of the movie where there is a a moment where the score kicks in so aggressively in like not a jump scare, but just a like oh shit moment and yeah. the bass was so heavy that it was making the screen ripple on the <laughs> wow. like from the projector and you could see like the waves of the bass coming outwards <laughs> from where the speaker was behind it and yeah, and there was a and a afterwards, and everybody Aww. just started off with like, first of all, amazing film, loved it, yeah. so good. Uh, and it dives a lot into like the dark web and that kind of area of the mm-hmm. internet. And there was some guy from the like self-proclaimed IT guy in the audience with us and said that he wanted to like commend uh, Plant for really paying attention to detail and there's a lot of stuff about like tor and about how um all all that stuff works on the dark web Hmm. that was really accurate to how it actually is in in real life and even little things like the protagonist uses DuckDuckGo as their browser because it's like more secure Mm -hmm. than other things and tons of little tiny details that are so easy to just like brush aside and be like oh the average audience member isn't going to know that this is how things are really done so we can just do whatever we want but they went out of their way to make things as true to life as possible even though most people wouldn't know the difference anyway uh there's also one like 12 minute long take in a courtroom that is just it's so like not flashy at all it's just dialogue and sort of like a a crane shot that's just going around the room, but it's just so precise. And damn, apparently they only had to do it like twice. Wow. That's, but, 
That's a sign of but yeah, it's craft. It's something that I think just really needs to be uh, seen by people. It, if you like crime, true crime, if you're fascinated by serial killers, this is a movie for you. And it's not it's not something that's gonna you know show you a lot of gratuitous gore and violence yeah. and stuff. That's not the kind of movie it is, but it will disturb you and it will make you feel uncomfortable. You will. It's very, it's like a psychological thriller kind of thing. And okay. yeah, it just really, um, it's just showing like upward trajectory of this guy. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. I'm going to buy Blu-ray immediately when it's available. Uh, I hope it gets wow. picked up by somebody like Arrow or, or Shout or hell, even Criterion. I think his previous films are on the Criterion channel. So maybe he'll finally get like an official release of something soon. Because boy. It, I just cannot, I, I don't want to like oversell it as well, because I feel like I have that problem when I love a movie so much, I talk it up and then people see it and they're like, yeah, it's whatever, it's fine. Yeah. But in this case, I really think that it there's something special here and uh, wow. would definitely recommend to everybody. Awesome. An and that's easy it. first place for you? An easy is the only f- that I gave at the festival. Um, oh. It just, it had that je ne sais quoi that really uh it scratched it scratched the itch um something about it just um you know there's nothing nothing bad i can say there's nothing that i would have done uh differently Mm -hmm. if anything it's something more competent than i think almost anybody could pull off there's so many times where you're like wow that is amazing that is brilliant in this film include right from the opening credits if you're not hooked in the opening credits then you're not a person i'm sorry it's not just to oversell that good. it or anything not to oversell it but it's the best <laughs> movie i've seen all year maybe so right yeah that's awesome uh, and yeah. yeah and that's that's the end of my rant but i could Perfect. i could talk for so much longer about that movie <laughs> i swear could do an hour-long thing of just me talking and you staring at me <laughs> Well, we won't be doing that today, unfortunately. Sorry Aww. to disappoint the audience, but uh, I would very much like to hear Piero's number one pick of the festival now. Yeah, um, I. Uh, well, this is one that actually all three of us got to see together. Um, true. But uh, it's the zone of interest. It's Jonathan Glazer's latest film. It's his first one in 10 years, actually. And he doesn't have many movies in his career. And he's... he's yeah, I think this old. is his fourth one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I tried to watch the rest of his earlier work before going into this one, just to mm-hmm. get a sense of like who he is or like what his style and approach for cinema is. And, and what, what are his like noteworthy films or are all of them? Yeah. His, his most recent one was under the skin. And that I think is probably his most acclaimed film. Okay. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, Scarlet I think they all are really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are. But I, I don't know. I don't hear from other people like I don't really hear people talking about it too, too often. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, maybe this movie will bring him back into uh, appraisal or or just recognition. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But uh, it it was a very challenging watch. Um, It just focuses on with you. (laughs) Yeah, I was so uncomfortable. I was sweating throughout the entirety of the movie, but. 
yeah, it's 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 about a Nazi family who just lives comfortably right right outside of Auschwitz and and you just experience their day-to-day lives and and uh, also not only like just a family but it's like the commandant the guy in charge of Auschwitz as well yeah, yeah who is in charge of like the crematoriums and yeah being worked on but uh yeah so you just see them relax and enjoy themselves and live life lavishly while in the background you hear gunshots and screaming and and you you just you just know that you're just watching uh just horror it's it's pure horror without showing anything and and it's it's something that i don't think any movie has ever done and like it 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 doesn't do much more than what like the synopsis is or like what i said is just them enjoying their life a little bit but um there's just a lot of like unsettling moments that that really that really got me and i i i just thought um i don't know i i, I thought it was a great film I was yeah cool. i i wholeheartedly agree i think it's not I, the closest thing to like kind of be get a little derivative um the closest thing i could maybe equate it to is like how Ari Aster wanted to portray horror like in bright daylight and like warm settings like Jonathan Glazer does it here like substantially better and it's with like real life history and events and it's just like the, the context surrounding the entire film is what makes it so horrifying to watch but you're watching like like if it was a silent, it like besides maybe a few uh, shots here and there, like if you watched this as a silent film, it would present itself as like a, a a summer like fun, or like a calm meditative summer like vacation or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you take out the not Nazi context and everything too, right? But like just like the the sound design as well, because like you're constantly hearing the happenings like just over the wall at Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, but you're only like rarely ever are you not being presented with an image that is like supposed to evoke uh, like happy feelings and like warm atmosphere and like a happy family, like playing at the pool for their son's birthday party. Right. Like it's, it's such a uh, juxtaposition of like horrible, horrifying events uh, that took place in human history with like uh positive imagery which is like unlike anything i've ever seen before it's yeah uh, it's very well done and, and i i also think like um i'm not sure if this is the intention from the director but um and i won't reveal about like what was being shown in near the end but mm-hmm. it it seems like some sort of message is to deal with today and the wars that are going on today and how everybody else is approaching it by just like hearing about it, but not doing anything about it technically. Mm. Um, okay. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it does create a little bit more awareness on, uh, on maybe people helping out a little bit more. Or I, I think it's also very much just a, a reminder of history and the atrocities that humans have committed and 
it's worth noting too that Viff scheduled this film, the only showing of this film, on Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, and considering, you know, what that day means, there's a lot of themes that carry over uh, to the church's treatment of indigenous people. And I think that's where a lot of the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of this film come in, so to speak, is, um, you know, this, you know, the Holocaust was horrible, but it's not the only kind of genocide that has happened. A lot of which are happening in our lifetime right now in the Middle East uh, with like the Palestine and Israel conflict. And I think it's, it's just a reminder of what has happened in the past and maybe um, shows people that, Hey, we should, uh, we should work towards, you know, maybe not doing this again or not doing this anymore uh, because it is still happening all over the world, just on maybe a smaller scale or uh, with less uh, first world countries involved maybe so that people don't care as much, but like, this kind of stuff is still happening and it's not like ancient history either. It's very much still part of the present, uh, present day. Yeah. It, uh, it just like kind of shows it in a new light that like, no matter what, like you're being presented with, like there's still the like monstrosity of like, the event it's still going on like very close by sometimes in your backyard effectively. Um, yeah. And it just like, like part of the message I got, I took from it was like, it's just, it doesn't matter like how, how you show it or what you show that it's still what it is like, and the atrocities still are taking place and like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how it's being presented. Like you Mm -hmm. still know that there's something horrible happening. Um, And that kind of like can connect. I I can see it connecting to what you're saying, Matt, of like, it doesn't matter what the genocide looks like, like it's still happening and it might look different from maybe the, the most flashy case for lack of a better term of like the Holocaust and how that whole event happened versus something like the Palestine conflict or what's happening here in our own, like on our own turf. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a, a very heavy film for sure. Yeah, very hard uh, to And it took a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one to recommend. Like I, once yeah. it does yeah. get a proper release, like a 24 picked it up They're in their, one of the top mm-hmm. production companies these days. But um, I don't know. I just can't see people, filling up those seats to see something like is this. is there a trailer out for this film yet or is that still I'm not yet sure to be I'm not sure, not sure. i i think once a trailer maybe comes and is able to give i mean depending if the trailer's good or if they if a24 pulls the old like we're gonna market this movie to get people in the seats instead of 
accurately representing the film. Mm-hmm. If they make a trailer that represents the tone and the subject of the film, I can definitely see it attracting a certain kind of audience. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not going to make tons and tons of money, but for the people, you know, fans of something like, you know, if you're a fan of Tarkovsky, if you're a fan of uh, Come and See, if you're a fan of, you know, slow cinema, that kind of thing, then there's definitely an audience for this. Uh, but yeah. it's um, it's going to be one that ruins a lot of people's day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you're not going to go in to escape from the troubles of the world and, you yeah. know, go turn your brain off for a couple hours. This is going to be a, a very much involved watch. From it's going to reflect the world the right audience. back at you, basically. Yeah. Um, but in a very innovative way. And like, I, I recommend it for its importance and for its uh, like ingenuity. Um, so, yeah. 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 Zone of interest. What about you, Nick? What about me? What is your favorite of the festival? My favorite, uh, like the one that one of the ones that has stuck with me uh, until today, it was one of the first films I watched in the festival is The Teacher's Lounge uh, by, I'm going to butcher his name, but Ilker Katak, I think. Wait, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to stop you or anything, but I thought that was your honorable mention. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Good Lord. I just completely blew past. I just want to talk, talk about it so badly. Apparently. <laughs> Thank you. Cut that Maybe part out. Catching that. Edit. No, no, it's staying. Rewind. <laughs> Screw it. We'll do it live. Um, my actual favorite <laughs> is The Promised Land starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, and I'm going to pull up all the info for this because I have all the tabs for Teacher's Lounge open and not The Promised <laughs> Land. <laughs> Uh, it is directed by uh, Nicolaj Arcel. I'm not familiar with any of his past past work. He did the Dark Tower movie, apparently. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, sweep that under the rug. He has redeemed himself with this one. I would apparently, say. one of his uh, previous films with Mads Mikkelsen. I forget what it's called. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, something about a ribbon uh, or a color or white something. I don't know what it is, but apparently that was really yeah. good and won a bunch of film festival awards. Yeah. Uh, um, well, there was also writers of justice that he did. Oh, writers of justice. Yes. I think with same director as well. Yeah. Uh, same director. Wow. Yeah. And cool. Different and Mads. Different director. It's a different director. Oh, well, he did it with someone else. Though, never mind. In the same movie. doesn't matter. Promised land is my favorite of the festival. Um, yeah, this, that movie was I mean, great. Like, in terms of like expectations, I like you just say Mads Mikkelsen is making a new movie, and I'm like, great, you, I'll be there. Uh, what time? Um, yeah, it's a uh, period, period, like action drama. It's more drama. It's than kind action. of everything. It's I'd say it's of... like a, a historical epic. Yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. Um, it's uh, about a Danish soldier conquering the like Danish countryside effectively for the king in order for it to become basically uh, like farmland uh, for settlers down the line. Um, but it like it is very like high stakes, uh, has an amazing like ebb and flow between Mads's character and the uh, antagonist of the film, the like uh 
like who is judge. one of the best villains that I've seen in a yeah. long time in a yeah. movie. Absolutely. I uh Simon Ben Ben Benebjerg. Uh Whatever his, it is. his I've character never seen him in anything before. Uh, but. Dushinkel, the like like snively whiny like man child of a a character was like absolutely despicable to watch and uh just was a fantastic performance like all of the performances honestly um the the little girl in the movie also was fantastic as well had a lot of the like laughs of the film it's a very funny film as well yeah surprising um but yeah, it just, it has it all. And it's not something I was actually expecting because like I had watched the trailer uh, like the day prior, finally. Um, I was sold on Mads Mikkelsen, but I was going to be going in blind and I ended up watching the trailer. And the trailer, I think, kind of undersells it. It like, it very much leans into that like period drama a little bit more. And it's like, go watch Mads Mikkelsen like uh, hoe dirt for two hours. But it's like, substantially more than that it's like it's got love and passion it's got a found family story it's got some like pretty cool action sequences as well the cinematography is like absolutely stunning it's just such a gorgeous film to watch um and like it keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time and the ending is like like one of the best endings of the festival festival for me yeah. Um, and audience wise too. Yeah. I think it was the best audience that I'd been a part of. Like people were were uh laughing at all the right points. Yeah. Everybody was really quiet too during, you know, there was no talking, no phones, no nothing. And yeah. people were whooping and hollering Eating at certain up. points and clapping. There was uh, big applause moments points. at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was just such an involved crowd. Totally. Uh, that really, I think, was into it. Uh, and we didn't even and, see it together. So tw- yeah. two different crowds were very, very into it, very invested. Yeah, um, it was just uh, quite something for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, exceeded all expectations I had for the film and also just is another like stamp on uh, Mads Mikkelsen's resume of like approval and like I, what, what more evidence do you need really? uh he he just killed it in that role and and it's also worth noting it's a true story as well yeah oh yeah i completely forgot about that it like yeah it it has something for everybody Um, it's yeah it really does it's i cannot get over it like i want to watch the movie again it was like the third movie i watched in the festival and until red rooms it was sitting at the top of mine as well uh it just man the execution is just so good the pacing is great it's like it's like uh a little bit over two hours i think but it just just flies by oh under well either way it it is a tightly packed movie there's always something happening you're always bouncing from something uh heartfelt something funny to some like action something absolutely brutal and then you're back, you know, you're back to something funny again. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the like political intrigue, the backstabbing, the yeah. like the cat and mouse, the revenge. It it's really got like everything stuffed in, and it has you know, there's like a 
race politics and uh, and gender politics in there as well, and class politics. It really it covers every single kind of uh, theme that you can really do in these kind of movies without feeling like overbloated or like under uh developed or anything yeah it it doesn't feel like anything's forced it all feels like very natural like yeah i'm sure in in denmark in the 1700s there probably wasn't a lot of dark-skinned people there and yeah that Mm -hmm. whole um you know that racist kind of arc in there about how they treated the little girl like yeah i'm sure that is literally what would have happened and the way that the you know the the lords treat their you know their servants and stuff like mm-hmm. that is you know and all the 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 incest as well <laughs> the uh yeah. the uh marrying i don't want to say much about that and, but yeah <laughs> the whole royal thing about like oh marry your cousin royal bloodlines keep the blood pure and all that kind right. of garbage yeah, that uh, cannot recommend that more. I will correct myself. Matt was right. Actually, it is two hours and seven minutes. Uh, but again, great, great flow to the movie. Uh, it flies by. I would have loved a longer movie, honestly. Yeah, I yeah. could have done three hours of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. <laughs> no questions. Damn. Yeah, I didn't even consider yeah. this one going into the festival. Kira, so. come on, yeah, I'm upset. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was a total sleeper. It's like a sort of unknown director sure it's got mads mickelson it's a a farming movie and you're like okay whatever i wonder if that's why it was like maybe more of a sleepers because like the trailer honestly just kind of undersells yeah i didn't even watch the trailer i just saw the you know the thumbnail that viff had i was like oh it kind of looks like gives me days of heaven slash uh there will be blood kind of vibes uh and i i mean i was right i think it leans a little bit more into the there will be blood aspect uh but Hmm. boy what a time also uh potentially the best uh native title for a film out of the yeah they totally changed it yeah they should have originally the best star done yeah in uh in danish the title of the movie is the bastard but they changed it to the promised land for english because i guess they you know, Americans would have had to censor the bastard, <laughs> yeah. likely as a title, yeah, probably. But um, so yeah, that is yeah. believe Great. it or not, that does take my number one spot. Even though I was oogling over, uh, I was just so ready to talk about Teachers Lounge. Um, oh, it's okay. But yeah, uh, well, speaking of, do you want to talk about Teachers yeah. Lounge right away? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you guys in suspense. Uh, okay. We'll start with your honorable honorable mention, Matt. Uh, my honorable mention, I'd have to go with, uh, the boy and the heron, you know, Miyazaki's, uh, return to the screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, allegedly it was the most in demand screening of the festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, tickets sold out within like hours, I think. That was one Uh, of the problem ones I had on the website. It was just trying to refresh. And, uh, it was... Yeah, people were, you know, hooting and hollering when the Ghibli logo showed up on the screen. And everybody was so excited. uh, And it really, you know, it 
it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe the hype. It is, yeah. uh, I think it's right up there with Miyazaki's best. I'd say it's on par with something like uh, Howl's Moving Castle, perhaps. I don't think it quite reaches the same level as something like Totoro or Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's up there for sure in both uh, animation style and oh, so, uh, so thematically as well. It covers so much ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it covers a lot of issues about, you know, uh, grief and love and family. And there's so many cute animals, <laughs> so many cute animals and little like yeah. supernatural-ish, you know, mystical beings and and it's just like overflowing with creativity and the art is beautiful. And the there world is, is so cool. It's such a beautifully realized world again, that like, I would love to see more of this. Like this could be a series of just going yeah. into this world. Uh, and the, yeah, the opening sequence, like I had chills multiple times during this movie, the opening mm-hmm. sequence, uh, the way that they animate fire in this movie is so special. Like they, they're able to get the, like the heat waves and the way that it makes the atmosphere sort of ripple. They're able Mm -hmm. to do that within the art. Uh, I don't know if they did it all through traditional 2d or if they mixed 3d elements to do this, but it just looks like something that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, get over um the little warawaras yeah there's like these little marshmallow marshmallowy looking cutie things yeah that when you see them the every time they showed up on screen and it's only for about like 10 minutes in the middle of the movie that they're even there but everybody was like oh (laughs) yeah yeah from all of his movies and into this one as well it's because yeah, I, I don't it's like it, it's like historical fiction. Sort of. I mean, it takes place during World War II or shortly after, um, I believe. That kind of that era, at least. Yeah. And uh, most of it does take place in like a fantasy world, kind of. But uh, okay. boy, it just um, it's so so good. It really is. And it's worth seeing on a big screen. You know, if you like Miyazaki's films, you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing here that I I think you're not going to like, really. I mean, maybe it might not live up to the expectations uh, that you have if you really, really hype it up. And it might not be as good as your favorite film of his, but it's great. It's just so there's so much attention to detail and love and care put into this thing. And even like the music is amazing. The the voice acting is fantastic. It is so well made. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Like I've never seen an animated movie look that good before. Yeah, it it's... was my first Studio Ghibli film. And I honestly like think it was probably a really good entry point that wasn't like one of its uh one of their past films that's like already so acclaimed and everything um it just i haven't seen any animation quite like it it does it it makes me so depressed that the western market is so lacking in 2d animation because 
it can like you there's still so much you can do with that medium and it can still be utilized so well and it's just so gorgeous to look at and and maybe it part of it is that like oversaturation of like 3d animation nowadays and the like disneyfication of so much of it as well um the animation ghetto as yeah it is called about how right. like western animation or people only see animation as a medium for children yeah and then it sort of gets uh you know homogenous in in how everything is presented in a very childlike and sort of dumbed down way but in eastern markets animation is for everybody and it's just another medium and you get to have things like this and even though this is like ostensibly a movie it's like a family movie Mm -hmm. uh, but it deals with like complexities that children are not going to pick up on right there's like so many layers to this that adults are still going to struggle with like a lot of the people that i know that saw it are still trying to figure out a lot of what the movie is trying to say Mm -hmm. and i think that's the mark of a great film is that you know everybody can get something different out of this and i think it's going to be one that is so rewarding upon rewatch because there's so many little details and threads that you can link together and uh yeah, it's just such a, a all-round, like, great movie for everybody. It's a beautiful yeah. film. And uh, I'm really glad I ended up adding it to my roster because, like, I was actually, because of my lack of uh, Studio Ghibli uh, knowledge and experience, I was just, like, it was kind of a thing of, like, oh, I haven't watched anything prior, so I might not, like, maybe I shouldn't go with this one first um but just i guess the hype train got to me and i was like you screw it i'll i'll see what happens maybe i will like it and it blew me away so yeah i mean i think it's a great way to introduce new people to miyazaki for sure because it's got all the trademarks of his style so mm-hmm. if you like this you're gonna like the others and vice versa yep great food yeah. scenes as well oh delicious <laughs> one of the tastiest looking pieces of jam on toast I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, that's just so such good. a simple thing. It's right? so simple, but the way that they just spread the butter and they, the jam is like overflowing and it's translucent and it looks so mm-hmm. juicy. It's getting all over their face and their hands and they're eating. Oh my yeah. god, I want. I might if make nothing some else. PB and J and Wara Wara. Those are the two. And parakeets. And the parakeets. Oh my god. Yeah. so funny such a funny film it's oh. so good yeah i think right. there's going to be an influx of like parakeets being bought at PetSmart after oh, this movie comes out. <laughs> there's going to be a parakeet shortage yeah all right I'll, piero uh, we'll be sure to see that mention. yeah but yeah well uh, it comes out in in early december i think so don't have to wait oh, too long awesome. and in imax and an IMAX. I don't know for one night or a week, but it's a week. I mean, I if mean. if you can see it in IMAX, go for it, man. Yeah, might as well. Everybody, it's I've a, seen less it's worth on it. IMAX, like less deserving films on IMAX. So hmm. this is yeah, Mission Impossible. Oh one. yeah, yeah. Not a single IMAX shot in that entire movie. And you're just watching widescreen on an IMAX screen the whole time. The creator was great on IMAX, and that still pales in comparison to uh, Boy in the Heron. So, okay. yes, 
One to see, Piero, for sure. Uh, how about you? What's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is Fallen Leaves by Aki Karizmaki. He's a... Uh, he's pretty, pretty, I, from what I'm aware, he's the most acclaimed director of Finland. Um, okay. He's near the end of his career. I think he's in his late 60s or 70s. But um, yeah, he's established a long career of just the same type of movies. He likes to make short comedy romance comedy drama focusing on working class um and 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 the struggles of their just regular day lives and and yeah this movie once again is does the same thing it just focuses on an alcoholic who works in construction and a lady who um is is a cleaning lady and they they they, it's an unusual love story but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like darkly comedic moments that are super dry um it's not gonna be it's not gonna be for everyone um i took my mom to that one and i wasn't 100 sure she was gonna really get a kick out of it because she doesn't really typically like like quirky comedies compared to like wes anderson or Mm -hmm. um maybe even like noah bomback i Mm -hmm. feel like those directors sort of um tone is similar to this in a way Okay. But um, yeah, no, my mom loved it. Lots of people in the That's audience awesome. loved it. There was lots of laughing and clapping. It was it was such a great time, and especially for under an hour and twenty minutes, like it, it's one hundred percent worth worth your uh, attention. And and I think it'll come out within the next month on Mubi if you have Mubi. But but yeah, it's aesthetically pleasing, super colorful. The lighting is like it, it brings back like a fifties or sixties kind of look to to movies, which a lot of movies or filmmakers don't really try to go for these days. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it looked amazing. It was hilarious, very well done story. Um and a subtle homage to Chaplin's work as well. Um mm, with, oh. with uh just the way like certain scenarios are played out. But yeah, huh. I had a great time. Very cool. Yeah, you've yeah. sold me on that one. Quirky, dry, dark com- comedy. Yeah, I, I'm there. So I'll many great like musical moments as well. It was like huh. like original music as well. Um, okay. And th- yeah, the the words that are being said are are pretty outrageous. But <laughs> it, it, it was great. It was great. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check yeah. that one out for sure. Especially yeah. if it's that short. That's awesome. That was the other yeah. thing about this festival is I think two movies were over two hours and the rest were less than, and it was like, Oh, so great. Hollywood movies are just over bloated. So this was really refreshing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. We finally reached the time where I can talk about the teacher's lounge and we're out uh, of time. And so, right. See you next and week. See you next time, folks. Thanks for watching and listening. No. Um, Yes, the teachers' lounge, directed by I'm going to butcher it one one more time. Uh, Ilker Katak, uh, he's a German director. Um, I kind of went in uh, blind with this one as well. Uh, just went off the the description of a uh, continuous theft being investigated at a middle school by the teachers, uh, and one are like the uh, protagonist. Um, what's her name? Uh, Carla, uh, decides to like, kind of take a bit more agency 
just to try and uh, find the suspect uh, of all the thefts that are happening at this middle school. And it blows up in her face like almost immediately. And it takes just such a like mundane concept and like a very everyday setting uh, and just dials the like stakes and anxiety up to 11. And like, it's one of the most anxious uh, experiences I've had in the film. It's not quite uh, to the level of like uncut gems or even like Shiva baby, but it, man, it is such a stressful watch uh, just cause you like, you see Carla lose control of the situation like so fast. And it just really plays with like, themes of like truth and like even uh news media spinning like perspectives on a story like in their favor and just like people's different interpretations of uh situations playing out uh and how that affects their relationships uh with each other um and it's just so such a fascinating watch like there there's a great moment of the teachers just like uh butting heads with one another and like getting like super uh heated in the titular teacher's lounge and it just is like blowing up um and it was just it was just such a cool like concept of like taking such a simple premise but like making the most of it and making like such a unique experience out of it it was uh unlike anything i've ever seen before i mean that goes for like probably most of the films I've seen at this festival. Uh, it, it, the ending was left a little bit to be desired, but it didn't sour the whole experience for me. Uh, it just kind of left like one or two questions a little open-ended for me, but I definitely want to rewatch it just to see with how it sits with me now. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't recommend teacher's lounge enough. It was uh, such a good, good experience and another short one it's only like hour hour and a half so yeah definitely right. want to watch i'll um, keep it on the radar yeah yeah so, uh want to matt do you want to we're doing all right for time i want to do some quick quick praise on monster yeah uh monster was fucking great yeah <laughs> anything else <laughs> no? uh yeah no it i mean i loved seeing um blanking out on her name but the actress that played the mom in shoplifters is also back again to play the mom in monster sakura ando uh yes that's her uh so good one of the best uses of um multiple perspectives retelling a story mm -hmm. uh great child acting uh just such a genre bending it, movie like each act feels yeah like it could be part of its own movie but they blend them all so seamlessly and it you never know where it's gonna go next which was just yeah so... it's totally flipping your expectations like they they lead you to believe oh this character is a bad guy oh actually this character is a good guy and actually this character that you thought was a good guy might be bad and then actually no they're actually all kind of good and some, a different one is bad that you didn't even think about before yeah. and it, it has so many moving elements throughout yeah. uh and it leads to like one of the best endings 
uh, I think of the whole festival. One of the, if not the best cut to black uh, I've experienced maybe this year or cut to white, uh, in, or cut to white yeah. uh, at the end. And an amazing final posthumous score from Ryuichi Sakamoto as well, uh, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Um, he's done some of my favorite scores in the past, like The Revenant uh, mm-hmm. is amazing. And also, you know, Yellow Magic Orchestra and his, all of his solo work uh, throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s is all amazing, amazing music. And uh, yeah, when his name came up, uh, his in memoriam credit and the credits uh, at the end, everybody gave a second round of applause. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only the second time that I've ever seen that happen at VIF. Uh, the first being Brendan Fraser's uh, name oh, yeah. coming up during the whale nice. afterwards. That's but um, yeah, it was, um, it was very nice. And also just his score is, is beautiful as well. And I, I definitely see it getting a, um, uh, a best original score nomination at the Oscars. If the Academy has any fucking clue, because <laughs> I mean, he's an iconic composer and it's his final score and it's great. So if they don't include it, like what are yeah. you doing? At the very least a nomination. Yeah. 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 It's sad that it won't be um, getting Japan's nomination uh, at the film fest or at the Oscars, mm-hmm. but it was such a strong year for Japan that, you know, they're, they can only choose one. Right. Yeah. It, uh, that was my first uh, Corey Ida. I think is how you say it. Yes. That was my first film of his that I've seen. Um, But I mean, I have had Shoplifters and Broker on the watch list for a while. Matt, I know you said you weren't as crazy about Broker. Yeah. Broker isn't isn't my favorite. I also watched Broker and uh, Tokyo Godfathers very close together, which are almost the same movie. Oh. in many ways. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I, th- I think Broker is almost like a live action adaptation of uh, Tokyo Godfathers, hmm. just because I know that uh, I think Satoshi Khan is an influence on Koreeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just like Tokyo Godfathers a lot better. Uh, so that kind of, you, you can't help but compare the two movies because it, they're both about like a group of, um, sort of outsider sympathetic but not entirely likable characters that find a baby and then they become pseudo parents and then they're trying to track down the baby's actual parent and do all this and it very much hits a lot of the same beats mm-hmm. but but it's still a good film i mean okay the the low bar of him is even higher than a lot of other directors right so you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And still yeah, worth Monster, a watch. Monsters, like, yeah, one of the best films uh, I've seen at the festival as well. Um, and I definitely want to watch Broker and Shoplifters more now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, short... let's. Uh... Sorry, what was that, Piero? Uh, yeah, just very shortly, uh, very quick. Yeah, he has a very large um, amount of movies that he's made like he's been in the industry for like 30 years and um oh, wow, yeah, yeah every single time Something i stumble like on one of his works it's it's pretty special yeah he, he deals with the uh, humans in a uh, more like gentle way that um i think is very good 
but he's like definitely a different tone tonal shift for him in in some ways yes but it also has a lot of the same trademarks as well uh and i was just going to say one more thing that i think he is one of the best directors of children uh working right now Mm -hmm. uh i can see that it just like every single time he's got one or more child actors in a movie and they almost always give the best performances of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shoplifters was no different. The kids in that one really um, kind of stole the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in Broker, the the younger characters were very entertaining and nuanced and not just like a, what an adult thinks character like thinks children act like it's like he really understands um children and treats them like people in his movies instead of just children you know right that's awesome all right well i think we've had enough praise we're gonna do our worst films uh or most disliked of the festival um some of us are a little more uh uh enthusiastic about our disdain than others because uh, i think personally anyway uh i think i mentioned this at the beginning of the episode is just like even the films at the bottom of my list there was still some things i like took away that i appreciated and it was more just like a eh, it was okay kind of middle of the road type thing um but yeah uh piero let's start with you what was your least favorite of the festival yeah, my, my least favorite was called They Shot the Piano Player. It's a Brazilian documentary about a uh, well-known piano player that was um, dead and, and a lot of very well-known Brazilian jazz artists. Um, it, it, they, it, the movie just focuses on their memories with this guy and, and the stories that they've had with him and and then like the mystery on like where what happened and where where uh, how has it affected like them and, and the people around them. But um, and it the cool thing is that it's a documentary. It's like a typical documentary, talking heads and everything, but it's all animated. So I think what they did is they used like older recordings and just did some rotoscoping over top or or did some sort of interesting. Uh, yeah different animation style but um it just i i didn't really win me over too much i i thought it was a pretty mellow generic documentary that didn't really reveal too much mm-hmm. the music i mean there's, there's so much great music coming from that era especially in brazil um mm-hmm. back in like the 60s um so i think that's like the only redeeming quality that i can really say yeah. Is good from that movie, but but then you might that, as well just no. go listen to that music. Did they have a Buena Vista Social Club in there? No, 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 <laughs> no. But then they missed out. What's the point? Yeah, it, that's a different story, though. That that <laughs> like Buena Vista Social Club wasn't popular. I, I think that's Cuban, actually, from what I'm remembering. Is it? It's not Brazilian. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it's sort of like Bossa Nova-ish. That's just yeah. why I associate Bossa Nova with, um, with Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, they do like to work with each other. Same region. But, um, and the other thing is uh, Jeff Goldblum is the only recognizable 
voice from that movie he actually played the main character because it's about an author who tells his the story of the the piano player and and it's jeff goldblum's narration throughout and it just felt so out of place because there were i mean he he is a jazz pianist though yeah yeah and and that's true but i i feel like there are lots of other people that they could have used instead i think it's just the fact that he is recognizable people people know him people love him um maybe he's he would have been the reason why people wanted to go see this movie right but um, more of a distraction to you than anything i would definitely be distracted by a a gold bloom narration (laughs) yeah it was very distracting yeah very but interesting yeah that that is probably like the biggest factor on why i didn't like it either it's just oh wow okay yeah rarely does goldblum disappoint but there you have it just stick stick with acting (laughs) oh wow i mean his music is good though i haven't listened to it so i don't know it's actually quite good okay would recommend all right yeah i'll definitely check it out then after this but yeah right besides that like it was it was all right maybe some other people will like it a little bit more it's 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 educational um and i'm not sure i didn't even like read into it but if that book in the movie if like if that is a real book then i'm sure you'll get a lot more from the book than the movie Mm -hmm. probably yeah interesting how about you guys all right matt yeah what's uh let's hear your uh stinker uh well I want to preface this by saying only two films out of this entire festival, out of the 20 that I saw, were below stars. Uh, But this one... I just, you know... Not that this matters on the No Score Review Show, just as a... Not that, yeah, not that it matters on the No Score Review Show. (laughs) Pretend that I didn't give a score. But, uh, yeah, The Old Oak, Ken Loach's new film, uh... I haven't seen any of his other works. Uh, he's been making movies for a real long time. He's a very old guy. I think he's getting close to 90 years old, but he's still wow. kicking, still making Jeez. movies. Um, I saw some people compare him uh, sort of like saying that he's the left wing version of Clint Eastwood. That sort of oh. making these um, very, uh, heavy-handed and uh not very subtle movies that are very uh politically one-sided i guess uh with clint eastwood being more of the the republican-y kind of guy uh and i mean in in that sense i i agree with everything that ken loach is saying in this movie i'm on board with the themes i think it's a good message that he's putting out there, but I just really did not like the execution of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, it was a little bit too heavy handed for me. And I felt like they were, they're explaining these issues to you as if it's like radical information to just not be racist, you know, like, yeah, racism is bad. And they're, they have all these characters that have their different sort of viewpoint on uh, the refugees that are moving into England and specifically seen through this small village where, you know, you've got one guy who's um, 
he's a homeowner and he paid a lot of money for his place and he's paying really high taxes on it. And now all of these refugees are moving in and they're selling them uh, flats and, and like row houses for way less money. So now this guy's upset that his property isn't worth as much, but he's having to pay more. And then they're all complaining about, Oh, the workers coming in and taking jobs. And it's just all like, the most surface level simplistic view of these issues possible. Right. And there's so many like parts where they're, they're tugging at the heartstrings and they're like, you know, Oh, the backstory of this family where they had to leave the dad behind because he was in prison and they don't know if he's dead or not. And all this. And Oh, there's a racist English guy that's being an asshole. Um, here, we're going to help you out. Uh, and just, there's a scene with a dog and there's some part with pit bulls that is just so like, it's just so on the nose, like over and over and over again. And I just, it, and the thing that bothered me the most, I know I've talked to Pierre about this. <laughs> he doesn't mind it because you watch like movies with subtitles at home a lot because, um, you know, uh, your parents, I believe English is their second language, right? Yeah. So, my mom is and my grandparents. So I, I've, So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I have no problem with subtitles. I love watching, you know, foreign films and I watch movies with subtitles on them all the time. But the fact that they put English subtitles onto a movie where all the characters are speaking English, it really rubbed me the wrong way right from the beginning. Uh, like sure they kind of have like a bit of a hard to understand accent sometimes but i didn't have a single problem understanding what they were saying i had more of a problem understanding what uh jacob alordi was saying in priscilla than yeah what these people were saying in the old oak and a lot of the times the subtitles didn't even match what the characters were saying they like rewrote things they truncated certain parts of a sentence in the subtitles and the characters would just like say extra words or the characters would say some kind of like British slang and then they would Americanize it in the subtitles and just really weird thing. Like if you're going to do that, at least make it word for word what they're saying. Right. It just, it felt like it was a movie that was treating the audience like they had no idea what any of these social issues were. And they're like, did you know that people can be racist? Did you know that immigrants are people too? Maybe we should just be nice to them and accept them into the community. And that would be better for everybody. Like, yeah, that's true. But it's saying it is like it's this big revolutionary idea. Uh, And maybe, I don't know, maybe to a lot of the people that are Ken Loach's age, that could very well be a revolutionary idea to just treat right. immigrants like humans. Uh, I mean, the audience that I saw it with was like 85% uh, people with like white or gray hair, uh, given it was in like the middle of the afternoon on a weekday. So, but um, a lot of the audience was also just like reacting to certain parts of the movie. Like it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. Like, Oh, there's a, a kid being bullied uh, who's, you know, he's an immigrant and he's being bullied by British kids and all the people around me were going, Oh Jesus Christ. Oh my God. That's horrible. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, 
I mean, that shit happens all the time. It's not, right. a, it shouldn't be that surprising to you. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it, I, I just really did not enjoy the movie. Uh, I, maybe it's just, I don't like that kind of style of filmmaking. Um, it's just, think... it wasn't a movie for me. It was also worth noting that it was a last minute ticket buy. It wasn't in my original right. slate, yes. but I had an extra one <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought, that. yeah, I'll, I'll go see this one. And I think I should have just listened to my instincts of like, I wasn't really drawn to the movie in right. how, uh, you know, in how it was presented. Also, they call him a landlord in the VIF like description. He's like, Oh, this landlord is struggling to keep his business or whatever. He's not a landlord. He's just a pub owner. Why are you calling him a landlord in the, <laughs> the description that also paints a totally different view of who this is. He's not in charge of anybody's housing. He doesn't right. have tenants. <laughs> He's just a dude that owns a pub. And he somehow is able to keep his pub afloat by only having four customers uh, <laughs> somehow. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we're struggling real hard. You know what we should do? We should start cooking lunch three times a week for the entire fucking town for free. <laughs> okay. Uh, where's that money coming from, buddy? I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of... I didn't vibe with it. I'm sorry. I just didn't vibe with that. I'm sure there's, you know, I got, there's a lot of people that are saying that I'm wrong. Well, or that a lot of people that liked it that don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm not talking about you, Piero, but there are some people. Yeah. I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think. I'm just saying, this is my opinion. I don't like this kind of movie. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. It's well made for what it wants to be. Although the fucking fade to blacks make me want to gouge my eyes out <laughs> there are so many fade to blacks they're supposed to be for when you're doing a large jump in time but they would do shit and it's like oh we're gonna fade to black and then this scene takes place 10 minutes later and then right at the end they fade to black for like 10 seconds and then fade back in for one shot and then the credits roll it's like just fade it's to black and do the credits it's for fucking dramatic effect but it doesn't work it's just like everybody's waiting for it to be done and they're like oh we've got another oh no it is done okay it just well uh yeah it seems like you vibe with that um i think i gotta i gotta go to the walk every time i talk about this movie i need to go yeah i need to go to the beach i'll fill my (laughs) pockets full of rocks and just walk in (laughs) Not quite what I was insinuating. Well, right. Piero knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's a reference to the movie. Um, yeah, well, hopefully, if nothing else, this film <laughs> does find its audience. And, like, it will, is able as long to... as they don't die of COVID before the movie comes out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All well, right. I'm just uh, saying, COVID well, is Piero... also a talking point in the movie, so... Mm-hmm. Kira, did you want to add your two cents at all for the old oak since you have also seen yeah, it? Yeah, I I won't say much, but you won't I, go on a ten minute rant. I Matt Matt did make me yeah, laugh. We were good for time. Things. Yeah. Until yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm I'll, I'll keep it nice and short. But yeah. I just, <laughs> no, please give us all your thoughts. I, I and the Tupperware. The Tupperware, yes. <laughs> really surprising. Really weird. It was it was my first movie of the fest and. It was a. It was during the day, and and yeah, like literally right when the movie started playing, 
it i think it was just like um a signal for people to start bringing out their tupperwares of food and <laughs> they, they they just had their lunch while watching it and it was a bring your own lunch I was, screening i guess sorry it was a bring your own lunch screening I yeah guess. i guess mm-hmm. so but uh i didn't have lunch at that point and i was very hungry so just but a lot likes of the film sense. yeah okay anyway yeah i i think i got more of a kick out of it it did pull my heartstrings a little bit more than um a lot of other people um i i thought the message did get me and i i i think that i, I what i know is these most of these actors are almost all of these actors aren't actually actors at all they're just people that live in in his town and and so i think he wanted to go for this like documentary sort of approach not going for any like substantial shots more authentic Um, everything's all sticking on the wide um mainly but um yeah I, i i don't think as a cinema sort of viewpoint um goes i i don't think it's anything too unbelievable but i think for the material that it, it it is saying i think it does have a somewhat of a nice message um and yeah bringing community together i think is a an important thing though how they did it or like the logic behind like certain things like how how they got their money or, or just how certain things happen maybe maybe it wasn't super um, accurate or or realistic but mm-hmm. and, and and matt you've made me realize certain things now but <laughs> but i don't know I, I i think i think what the director was trying to say i i think he had some good intentions and some of it definitely yeah some of it was good but it, it was also my first movie of his his work and all of his movies i think are like this so i think if this is like maybe for you if this isn't your cup of tea maybe i daniel blake like the one he won palm door for could be something better because i, I think he does i i definitely thing. do want to see that at some point i also know people that have worked on that movie so i kind of want to watch it yeah, yeah. for that point at all or alone yeah yeah anyway i yeah that's that's all i gotta say all right well uh that'll bring us to our final uh entry and my least favorite pick would have to be white plastic sky it is a uh another german film i think hungarian sorry hungarian film uh it is all animated animated feature film uh with uh it's mainly rotoscope animation so i think they like shot all the scenes uh live action with the actors and then uh animated it uh afterwards and then with like predominant predominantly 3d backgrounds it's uh like sci-fi uh drama about uh like humanity in the far future uh soil plants animals have all uh died out and are no longer uh like viable for human survival so uh it takes place in budapest uh in this like dome city and the way humanity is uh continuing on is after 50 years of age everybody's uh bodies get donated to 
the government essentially, and they get converted into trees uh, for oxygen and food supply and everything. Um, so yeah, that it it uh, sets up a very fascinating world, um, and it follows this couple, this young couple in their like late twenties, early thirties, um, and the wife voluntarily donates her body to uh, the program uh, without her husband knowing before it's too late. And it basically just kind of follows his journey in, uh, getting her back from, uh, the government basically, and like breaking every rule to like save her and, uh, bring her back. Um, and it set up a lot of promising concepts. It's a very fully realized world. Like they really did their homework and really took the time to kind of flesh out this world and the concepts behind it and everything. Um, there's some really cool uh, like scenes where like the people's uh, fingerprints that uh, have gone to go into the transformation, their fingerprints become the leaf patterns on their tree when they uh, like uh, transition That's over. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of really cool sci-fi concepts. Um, it does bring up quite a few of like those um, like well-worn sci-fi uh, kind of like ideological ideas um, and like talking points, but it never really uh, surmounts to much. Um, and mm. just like the main, the core, <clears throat> the core story, uh, it's like a, a story of like grief and loss uh, and like family uh, and like finding something to live for. But again, just it didn't feel it kind of felt like it wrapped that up within like the first half of the movie. But then it keeps going on into like other uh, new concepts uh, later on in the film. So it just didn't it felt like it was bringing too much uh, onto its plate and never really kind of focusing on one thing. I think it could have been a really strong film had it just focused on like the husband wife dynamic and their relationship. Um, but it just kind of brings up too many concepts for its own good. I think it like, it may could have been, maybe been like a really cool, like limited series or something if it really wanted to explore those concepts, but yeah. Um, and then just like, I, I think the, the animation was interesting. Um, but, uh, and like a lot of the imagery, uh, and like composition of a lot of shots are very beautiful. And I think really the only thing i could recommend out of it is for this very unique sci-fi world um but beyond that it doesn't it the, the story doesn't feel like it's uh worth the time honestly mm. um so i think that's why it was my biggest disappointment uh just yeah not enough fulfillment out of the the promise that it uh initially introduced so yeah that's uh that's my least favorite entry. Uh, I think that's probably where we're going to wrap it up uh, for this 2023 VIF in review video. Uh, Piero and Matt, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to hopefully doing this in the future again. I look definitely. forward to at the very least going and seeing uh, movies at VIF again. It's definitely something I want to go do again. It was a very good oh, yeah. time. I mean, like Piero said, it's my, it's also my favorite week of the year, uh, in this city. It's just wow. so much fun. 
uh, being able to go out to all these places. You see like familiar faces. I met several people that I had, that I've been following mutually on Letterboxd um, mm-hmm. for like the last couple of years. And just, you keep running into the same people and you see them and then you see their Letterboxd reviews after and they're like, <laughs> oh, you were at the same screening. Maybe that's that person. And then you talk to them and you're like, oh shit, that's you're nuts. this person. You're this yeah. person. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and just getting to like, you know, get to know the the film loving community of, of the city a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really fun aspect of it as well. The social aspect of it is almost yeah. as fun as just going to see the movies themselves. Totally. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, yeah. Uh, speaking of Letterboxd, uh, you can find all, uh, all of us will have a uh, like fully ranked list of our entries for this year's VIF. Uh, so you can go check all of those out. And I know I, I think Matt did as well, uh, a, like a written review for every film as well. Yeah, um, I still got a couple more to come, but they should be out by the time this uh, this video is done. Yeah. In my list too, I also like to give out my own sort of awards for like, you know, oh, that's fun. best uh, performance cinematography score and that type of thing Cool. Uh, as well, just so I can uh, keep track of that kind of appreciation for each of the films as well yeah that's awesome so yeah you can uh, go check those out uh so yeah uh matt where can the people find you people can find me uh letterbox.com forward slash wisdom nugget uh and then i think i've got other socials perhaps linked in my bio there you can follow me at if you feel inclined or don't do whatever you want choice is yours (laughs) and piero where can the people find you um, you can find me through my name, Piero Cyprian, P-I-E-R-O-C-I-P-R-I-A-N. Um, or you can also find me through Movies Galore, um, but I need to change that name. Just <laughs> something I came up with back in like 2015. Movies <laughs> but, uh, Galore. There are worse yeah. things, so. Yeah. True. Anyway, but yeah, you can find me through that, um, through my name or that. And, uh, Yeah. You can take a look at my list and see the other stuff that I've uh, seen and liked. Awesome. And you can find me wherever you're listening to or watching this episode of the No Score Review Show. Uh, in terms of uh, recent reviews, I have a few spooky uh, reviews for the Halloween season. I recently did a review on The Nun 2 and the entire Conjuring franchise was a episode of franchise and review did a review on gareth edwards the creator the latest sci-fi action adventure film to hit theaters uh and then more upcoming films uh include a lot of uh spooky stuff like i said before i'm going to be doing a franchise and review on friday the 13th with matt uh, we may or may not be wearing the exact same clothes as we are right now <laughs> we in may that or may video. Not, yeah um <laughs> So yeah, stay tuned for that. That'll be coming out on the uh, infamous date this year. We finally get one of those in October, which is very exciting. That's a good Um, point. I also did a review with my good friend Scott on the first season of Ahsoka. If you're looking for Star Wars content, if you're looking for more mainstream stuff, as opposed to this uh, more niche niche, uh, entertainment. Um, And then, yeah, like uh, Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon, will be getting a review. Lots of spooky reviews coming uh, later down the line this month. Uh, So make sure you just stay tuned to the channels for those. 
Otherwise, you can find me on Letterboxd and all of the other socials at NoScore or at NoScore Reviews. Uh, Piero, Matt, thank you again once more for joining me. Thank you. And we will see you you all in the next review. Bye-bye.